This is Big O, Mr. In The Black himself from the In The Black podcast, and I'm kicking it with Big Mike, my homie from the UK. Yeah, Genuine Chit Chat podcast, one of the best podcasts I've listened to in a long time. Make sure you stick around and check it out. Thanks to Big O for that amazing intro plug. You'll be hearing from him again shortly. Anyway, hello guys. Thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week, I'm joined by the all-powerful hosts of the In The Black podcast. Now, the In The Black podcast is arguably my favorite indie podcast and one of my favorite all-time podcasts. It brings about incredibly interesting perspective on a lot of issues that I hadn't considered. Um, it is generally from the black perspective and the three gentlemen who host the show are all working American men. So it's a really good sort of their opinions are a really good mix of different stances and things, which all comes together as a wholesome discussion on things where they have jokes, they talk about loads of great things, and that's kind of what I've tried to replicate in this episode as well. So I'll give you a couple of little bullet points of what we speak about, and then I'll let the chat go on. Uh, there won't be a promo today or anything. So just in brief, we speak about the talk, which is not the talk of the birds and the bees, but it's a talk that a lot of black and I assume uh, minorities have to give to their children when interacting with sort of the white Western world. Um, we speak about Black History Month, black identity, uh, black representation in the media, Terry Crews, a lot of those sort of things. So you can tell it, it's very much heavily on the black perspective of this episode, and I couldn't have really asked for a better chat. This is one of my favorite ones, and I think it's incredible of just some of the things that... There were questions that I wanted the answers to, and I wanted to ask some people who I know wouldn't be offended by the choice of questions that I had or anything like that. Just an open and honest conversation, which is all about what this show is about. So get ready for a show which has got some brilliant perspectives in that I really hope you guys are going to enjoy. Anyway, enough waffle from me. Um, as I said, there will not be a promo today, so the chat should be getting started straight after this little intro music you hear. So um, yeah, if you haven't tuned in before, I will be back at the end just to fill in what's coming up in part two and what you can expect if you subscribe and listen to future episodes. So I'll be back for more. So I'll speak to all of you then. Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton. And I am joined today by the members of, I'd say, my favourite indie podcast. And it's called In The Black. And the reason I'm so into it is because it's three working black gentlemen from America who have got some very interesting perspectives on countless social issues and things about pop culture and stuff. So I'm really, really glad to finally have them on the show. Uh, and so, guys, uh, if you want to introduce yourselves, I say, uh, Big O, if you want to go first. Hey, um... I do want to make sure that we mark this down for posterity's sake, oh, that shit. this is our first podcast. This is our first cross podcast with a white person. So let's mark that. Let's, let's mark that down. Right. So it's time for us to celebrate. We've been saying for a long time that we've got new white listeners. So let's go ahead and give it up for Mike. Yes. Yes. There's a whole lot more, I'm afraid. Sorry in advance. No, you're good, man. My name is, my name is Olushel. Everyone calls me Big O. I am Mr. In the Black himself, host or one of three hosts for the In the Black podcast. Um, I've been listening to Mike and the Genuine Chit Chat podcast for a little bit now. Not even for a little bit. I think we've 
since I started podcasting, yours, your uh, podcast showed up in our stream and we've been checking you out. So we've been big fans for a long time as well. And we really appreciate you taking the time out to invite us and have us on the show. So I want to get that out of the way. Um, for those that aren't familiar, our show is a podcast dedicated to covering the current events and social issues going on in the black community and across the diaspora, all from the perspective of three grown black men, fathers, husbands, working men that think they know a little something, but they're never afraid to try and learn a bit more. And they're not ashamed to say that they need to learn a bit more. So we hope that we're doing good justice to, to that mantra and trying to fill in that gap. Um, once again, I could never do this show alone. So I'm going to let my homies introduce themselves. All right. Uh, I'll take it from here. Uh, my name is Phil, also known as the Orange Crush, uh, because my particular tone is uh, somewhat reminiscent of caramel to... <laughs> to Burnt on to a burnt orange. Soul crush. That soul crush. Keeps my wife captivated for 12 years. That's um, his elaborate way of saying he's light skinned. That's uh, all it is. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I have been a, a proud host, co host of uh, In the Black uh, from day one with my brother Big O. And uh, we've, uh, you know, we've, we've enjoyed, uh, you know, exploring um, our, our lives and our world, you know, just through uh, chopping it up every week. And, um, you know, we, uh, we hope that uh, we can contribute something to our uh, to our to our community to our to our people. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit! Oh, oh Jesus Christ! It's about to be a mess. <laughs> it's going to be a mess. Man, listen, it's like a man. pressure cooker. Can, you guys are just oh, going for the intro. Yeah, yeah, and as man, soon as you've introduced so yourself, it's all going. Yeah. No, it's uh. How y'all doing, man? It's your favorite. Host from In the Black, <laughs> Mr. Hate Mail, uh, <laughs> Mr. OnlyFans, uh, Mr. Red Solo Cup, uh, these Mr. Cash App, silly <laughs> motherfuckers. App. I know, I know. <laughs> hey man, my name is Elgin Bailey. I'm one of three hosts on the In the Black podcast. Uh, I've been a host for not too long now, but I used to periodically just fill in and hang out with the fellas. Uh, I used to do my own podcast before this, and I'm excited to have stopped that to join on with this team here. We are doing great things, having great conversations, man. And every time we get together, it is laughs and learning, uh, two of my favorite things. I'm excited, man, to be with white people, so let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> that will probably be the first and last time he says that on any recording, so let's go ahead and mark that down as well. Out of my top ten list of things to do. <laughs> Today's a special oh, day. Boy. It's leap year, motherfuckers. Leap let's year. Do it. Let's yes, do it. Let's do it. No doubt, no doubt. Amazing. All right, Mike, what's happening, Well, thanks man? so much for... Uh, introducing yourselves um so we might as well just start at the very sort of the jumping off point uh primarily uh sort of oh why did well actually oh, sorry, oh sorry phil uh basically why did you guys start the in the black podcast uh, essentially that that's where the, the jumping off point will go and we'll just see where it goes from there man um it's a very it's an interesting <laughs> story just to put it mildly man um phil and i a uh, phil started the blurverse podcast yeah he was looking for some hosts to do that show with, and he reached out to me. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. Let's let's go ahead and do that. And we had done that for, I think, maybe five or six months. Mm -hmm. And the bug was sitting in the back of my head, and I kept telling Phil, man, like, I want to do this podcast, man. I want to do this podcast. I want to do this podcast. 
And Phil was just like, all right, man, whenever you're ready. You know, he's a good dude, man. He's chill. He didn't put too much pressure on me. And I, during that same period, I kept saying the same thing to my wife. I want to do this podcast. This is what I have the vision for. This is what I want to do. This is what I want to talk about. And I was saying it again over and over every weekend, every week during that same five, six month stretch. And then one day she finally just looked at me and said, either you're going to do this shit or you're going to shut the fuck up. <laughs> Which one is it going to be? And I was like, I like his wife, man. I'm telling you. Damn. Elder, when I, when I, when I <laughs> somebody else tells you to shut the fuck up. I think it's great. <laughs> so finally, one day I was like, you know what? You're damn right. Let me just go ahead and do this thing. And I asked Phil, I said, like, hey, do you have the time to put in for a second podcast? He's like, I, I don't know, but maybe we can figure it out. I mean, let's just see how it works. And we called Rick and the rest was history. This is four years in that we've been running yeah. in the black podcast, yeah. growing pains here and there from going from a almost one podcast a month to tri-weekly mm-hmm. to missing like three month stretches in between yeah. here. And there. Yeah. A lot of growing pains, but we've, I can't put it mildly, man. We've come a long way. Yeah. Uh, but we've learned a lot along the way. And I think I can honestly call, Phil, Rick, and now Elgin, especially given his his willingness to become part of the team, my my best friends. I'm never afraid to be able to talk to them about any topic that I have sitting on my mind or sitting on my heart for that matter. And come to think that it all spawned, a friendship like this could all spawn from just wanting to start a podcast. So mm-hmm. well, that's, that's amazing in its own way. And, you know, it's one of those things where some of my best friends, um, I can always confide in them. And one thing that I always find is just, it's one that's so cheesy and lame, but like, honesty is the best policy. It's, it's just one of those things where yeah, yeah. the more you try and hide, you just, it just becomes everything more complicated and there's so much toxic uh, emotion with hiding things all the time. And with me, like I've always just tried to be honest and open as much as I can with any listeners. And I know that uh, listeners of your show and uh, both my show appreciate the, the genuine honesty and being, uh, it's also the ability to admit when you're wrong. And I know that you guys, you discuss different ideas and things and you sometimes change each other's minds and things and you are open-minded and that's all one can be is just listen to other people, evaluate your own view and theirs, and then come to a respectful conclusion. And, that's Absolutely. one of the things I love about Absolutely. your show is even if you guys have had completely different opinions on things, you give each other shit and that's great. It's, it's fun. You can, you can yeah. feel no. the sort of love, but make sure you clarify that these guys give me shit. <laughs> that seems to be the methodology <laughs> of the no, show. They no, give see, me see, a hard see, time. See, that is the intellectual purity of the show. <laughs> of the light skin. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Savages, all of you. <laughs> Nothing but savages. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing so um, one of the reasons i want to get you guys on the show is uh essentially because of perspective is obviously i am a 25 year old uh, white guy in england um one of probably the most privileged positions at, in the current world right now and i recognize that and i can't really do anything about sure. that but one thing i try and do is i try and expand the horizons and think about other things and your guys podcast i think has uh given me more perspective on things i wouldn't normally have even considered 
to such a degree that I'm just thankful. And that's one of the reasons I want to have you on the show because I want my listeners who aren't already aware of you guys to be like, I mean, I've played your promo on the show, I share on social media, but it's like, I need people to like meet you in a sense and then they can see how cool you are. And then all my listeners will leave my show, go see you guys, and then I'll be left in the dark because I'll be like, in the black so much better than genuine chit chat. Like, I don't need that. They have guests sometimes too. Pfft, we don't need to go with Mike anymore. Oh, no, no. Nah, never that, never that. Um, I, I will say that I appreciate your show and I don't want this to be uh, a fluff contest, but we, I really appreciate Please your show. Don't. And I know the other, shut the hell up. Good grief. Can I finish my, <laughs> I really, I really, you, oh, God, God, God. <laughs> now you see what I got to deal with every single, anyway. So I really do appreciate your show for the simple fact that you have these open and honest conversations and you never really, I'll put it this way. In every conversation that I've listened to, it is apparent that you want your guests to feel comfortable. Now, sometimes depending on the topic, I don't really care if our guest is comfortable, but I appreciate that on your part and your willingness to be open to listen to just genuine conversation. So I want to go ahead and give you kudos for that. Uh, but I want to get down into the nitty gritty. What questions do you have for us? Because uh, I've been bigging this show up all week. This recording. I want to make yeah. sure that we fulfill our <laughs> fulfill the quota of hype that I've been putting around us. So let's go ahead and get started. All right, all right then. Job, One of the things uh, which actually th which surprised me the most, I'd say, um, when when listening to one of your shows was actually it's about the talk. I think that's the first one I want to bring up. Uh, and I, I won't say any more because I know we, we've briefly discussed what the talk is. And now most people think the talk is just, oh, the birds and the bees. That isn't what I'm referring to. So I wonder if one of you guys can uh, kind of explain to any people who, to be blunt, the white listeners like myself, what the talk actually is. One of you guys can go ahead and take, take hold of that, man. Oh, L, the father. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> the talk is something that takes place within the black diaspora, primarily in black America. It's a talk that elders give to the younger generation. Uh, and it started, unfortunately, started on the slave ship, telling the younger slaves how to mind themselves so they would not be uh, raped, mutilated, killed, etc. And throughout time, it has grown through teaching our children how to speak to police officers, how to carry ourselves in predominantly white environments. Uh, and it's usually, in all fairness and all transparency, it is usually be careful of how you act when you're surrounded by a bunch of white people. Mm -hmm. uh, and it is a huge thing for me as a father uh, to, not only as a father, but somebody who works with the youth in the community, to teach children how to have that awareness of whiteness without surrendering their blackness. Now, what does that mean? That means I don't want them to be so incredibly passive and deferring to white people in their presence that they lose a sense of self. Uh, and that is something that is some, a possibility. But the term that I tend to use is called racial literacy. Now, racial literacy is teaching young people how to not only navigate in the proximity of whiteness, but how to respond to direct racism, how to uh, react when they're faced with it. And not only that, but how to rest. And what rest means is when you deal with that kind of conflict, 
the decompression that takes place afterwards because after dealing with a white police officer being called a nigger or any other type of external form of racism, that is a heavy thing to have to deal with. But also teaching us as a people, because we struggle with high blood pressure, we struggle with stress, all these racial related illnesses that also teaching each other how to do it. But the talk is literally, man, in the basic form is how to navigate the proximity of being around white people, Hmm. being aware of whiteness. I see. And I hope that a lot of the the listeners kind of in England, the, the sort of. I think the dynamic is slightly different, which I'll get into a little bit later. But there's, there's one thing that you mentioned that I would like to touch on, which I do actually uh, have a note for, which is um, black identity is very different to white identity. Now, what if I, white identity makes it sound like you're a white supremacist, whereas black yeah. identity is a thing which I believe is, as what you touched on, it's still having... I think what it, it kind of is, I'd like you guys to explain it, but from what I my perspective, it seems sure. to be, is knowing where you c- have come from understanding your place in the world in a sense of you know how important you are and don't let other people beat you down while understanding that even though you may all be from sort of your ancestry may be from sort of different areas in the world there's that connection like i don't in england if i interact with someone who is german or polish for example we don't have the connection of us being white but from what mm. i understand is that there is that connection with sort of uh people who are of color, so I wondered if you guys can kind of delve sure. into that before I say anything. Well, sure, sure, sure. well go ahead. Coach. Well, I would say the problem is that black identity, black identity is especially for America, black Americans, and maybe across the diaspora in certain sections, is more of a question than an answer. Hmm. Um, due to external forces that were inflicted upon their culture, their people, for hundreds of years, that trauma um, forces a people to uh, adapt and realign, try to try to realign themselves of who they are or who they even want to be in that new context they were forced into Mm -hmm. from the beginning. So in in a way, uh, black identity is, uh, especially here in America, is is definitely uh, equal to survival or survivalist mentality, Mm -hmm. survivalist attitude, you know, where, um, you know, who you are, who you want to be, where it's rooted in and where it's supposed to go are all things that you have to uh, struggle to um, define yeah, or yeah. let America define it for you. And that's the battle, I think, mm. not allowing not allowing America to define Cause, cause that for you. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, see, that's, that, that's yeah. the easy way out. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. My, my parents, my immigrants, you know, reminded me that I was, that I was part Jamaican, I was part Guyanese, even mm-hmm. part Aboriginal. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, these were cultures that, uh, that contributed something to the world. They were not servants of the world, hmm. you know, and that was, and that was something that you, that you struggle to constantly reaffirm and expand on and learn from and take with you into different stages of life. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think the one the one glaring part of that also is that regardless of where we are in terms of our cultural identity and i say cultural because like like phil said jamaican guyanese nigerian uh l is descendants of slaves as well come to the united states that we all recognize that we have our blackness and the experiences that have followed that blackness to our adult lives through our childhood through our uh i guess our formative years as well my dad came to the united states i came here when i was three years old my dad came here 
He, matter of fact, he landed in the United States on the day I was born and he brought me and my mother here three years afterwards. And I can say that my dad was an adult. He was what, 26, 27 when he got to this country. So he was like a, for lack of a better description, he was like a, a block of marble. Right. Mm -hmm. So an artist was already working on him and you could see it taking shape in some capacities. And then he came to the United States and then that's when the refining period happened. And you could actually see the art or the definition in Mm -hmm. what he was Mm -hmm. to become. Right. I will never forget by the time, by the time I was nine years old, just a reference back to where we started from with the talk, by the time I was nine years old, my father having that conversation with me about how to talk to white adults in position of authority. So not just police officers, but especially with police officers, making sure I understood that as wonderful as your blackness is, it is seen as a threat or as inferior or as less than by other people. And the worst part about it is there is a, a cover, a facade that you go out into the world with. So you have to really be, be mindful and discern who is calling out your blackness or willing to threaten you because of your blackness. Mm -hmm. Um, so it wasn't until I was much older that I looked back at that conversation and said, my father, who was maybe six, seven years old when Nigeria finally got its independence mm, from the British, that's came crucial. to this came to this country yeah. and was in a country that. or grew up in a country where there was where it wasn't predominantly white. Mm-hmm. And somehow within the span of however many years had to force himself to recognize the place of where he was in a predominantly white country and make sure to pass those lessons on as quickly as possible to his children so that it didn't put them in danger. And I know that I'm not speaking by myself when I tell that story. Mm -hmm. I know that Phil's father has done the same thing. I know that Elle's father has done the same thing. And I know that unfortunately, I am still doing it for my children. I know that Elle's doing it with his kids and I know that Phil is doing it with his niece and nephew. So Mm. it's... It's an interesting conversation. It's an unfortunate and painful conversation. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll wrap it up with this. I'll say it's painful because I've, unfortunately, the statistics show that once a, once a black youth turns 11, 12, that many white people cannot discern them from being um, children to being adults. adults. Yeah. And it puts them in a very dire predicament. And I've had to have that conversation with my son, who is now 10 years old, and having that conversation, him it's starting to cry and having, you know, yeah. feeling the weight of the world on his back a, and me trying to not only pass them right there. Exactly. Me having to pass that message on and try to console him at the same time. It's a very, very. And yeah, here's, yeah. here's an example, Mike, because my daughter is I got a five year old daughter who just started going to kindergarten and. Uh, the beginning of the year, of course, we have Dr. King Day, then we have Black History Month. Uh, so she's going to school and for Thanksgiving, she's coming home every other day with a damn turkey or something about a damn pilgrim or something about, you know, this, I mean, literally for a motherfucking week straight, like, I'm getting motherfucking turkey shit all throughout the house for Thanksgiving, okay? So my first thing was, after about two or three days was... What are they going to do for Black History Month? 
what type of response are we going to get for Black History Month? Am I going to have her come home every day with Dr. Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks, you know, these uh, popular civil rights people? At least. At least. She came home with nothing. Nothing at all. Response has changed. So now I got to have a different kind of conversation with her, you know? So I got to have a conversation to inject that dynamic into her about Black History Month to begin to say, okay, now you may not celebrate it there, but as for us here, this is what we do. This is how we do it. So that's a form of giving her the talk. It's a form of instilling and cultivating her Blackness at an early age, allowing her to see it. But also the concern is I got to be careful how much I give her because she's going back to that school the next day. And the last thing I want her to do be is labeled as a military. Yeah, be super military. Yeah. Five years old. Let's talk about Malcolm X today. And then I got to go to the school and, <laughs> and threaten principals. And, and, and call all these white people down. You know, call all these white folk down. Like, whoa, it's okay. You know what I mean? But that's, that's an area and a dynamic, man, of the actual talk. The talk is literally something that we give our children from conception. You know what's interesting? I'm gonna, I want to ask Mike. I mean, obviously you're not black. But have you heard from <laughs> okay, any of? Way. <laughs> I, I want to know: Have you heard from any of your black friends in the UK, or yeah, black friends in the UK, or even brown friends for that matter, if they've had to have this conversation in the UK? And the only reason why I ask that question is because I don't. Mm. There's a perspective here in the United States yeah. that you know. That you guys in the UK are a little bit soft on things, and that you you're way too way too cultured to be or, as aggressive or, as some or, of us. Or, or that crime is somehow extinct or something. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I, I yeah, wish right. Jesus. Yeah, right. <laughs> I certainly right. wish it was. No, we just don't have guns. We just use knives instead. That's the problem. Yeah, that's is, the um, problem. <laughs> but Man. yeah, um, uh-huh. in all honesty, um, I don't know any um, black individuals who are my friends who have got children. So it, I, I've not actually asked That's that fair. question. Um, so just, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, so obviously the majority of the black individuals that I know are uh, people I went to school with and that sort of thing, and people who are my general age group and things. But I, I want to add uh, sort of two things here, which is um, to give a sense of naivety from the white perspective. Okay, essentially, mm-hmm. in. Now, from a young age, I went to uh, I went to a Catholic school um, when I was uh, primary school, so sure. from uh, and things, and then uh, secondary school, and the primary school's school, elementary. Uh, there you go. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I skipped that. <laughs> <laughs> I went right the middle. You know, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah. So, and in these uh, in these schools, um, there was. Uh, it was multicultural. You know, I saw uh, people of, yeah. of all the different nationalities, essentially. So yeah. when I didn't even realize racism was a thing until I watched the show That's So Raven uh, on the Disney Channel when I was like 10. <laughs> yeah. And there's an episode where uh, her friend Chelsea gets a job at this uh, clothes shop and then she tries to get Raven a job. And then the boss says, I don't hire black people. Yeah, and when yeah, I first, yeah. I mean, I think I was, yeah, like 10 or something when I heard, saw that. And I... I I didn't really process it fully at the time. I was just like, sure. I couldn't even be, because like, from huh? like, yeah, <laughs> like, I'm from stupid. Yeah, yeah, I was like, I was like, wait, and I I couldn't, I didn't even understand. I couldn't even fathom it. And it's one of those things where I was in, in that I was kind of in a bubble essentially of of naivety of just like I went to a school which had sort of multicultural and the south of England. Ironically, the south of England and the north of England is 
the opposite to the South and North of America in the, in the general stereotypical sense of Understand. generally the South of America is seen as the more uh, racist and less behind, uh, more behind sure. rather. And in England, it's generally the opposite. So gotcha. down in Southampton, we're right at the docks. We have one of the biggest dockyards. Um, I think the Titanic came to us uh, before sailing off. And, oh, you know, so it's your fault. So it's our fault. Yeah, it is, it is. Always the way. Mike's fault specifically. <laughs> <laughs> and so we, we're, we've got that. I think Southampton is one of the uh, most culturally diverse uh, places in the UK, ex- excluding, I think, London. It, it's in the top um, of them. So I've always seen uh, individuals who are of different ethnicities and things. When I went to college, um, I had a psychology teacher, and she was white, and she was dating uh, an individual who's from, uh, I think I think he was Indian. Um, so he, was, he wasn't white, he was brown-skinned. And she was from further up north. Um, I can't remember exactly where, I think it was around Manchester time. And this was, let me think, she moved down here. She taught me about mm, less than 10 years ago. She moved down here the year before teaching me, so 11 years ago. So still in the 2000s. And when she was walking down the street with her husband uh, holding his hand, she would have racial slurs shouting at them, saying about interracial couples and things like that. Oh, and mm-hmm. I was like, mm-hmm. and, and that's just up north in England, like within the last 15 years. And, and it's these moments where... It's obviously very upsetting, but it's, it's upsetting in the sense of obviously racism is despicable and horrendous, and obviously that's a given. Sure, yeah. But what's more upsetting, in a sense, to me, is the fact of the lack of being told about it. Slavery was very much skirted over in history and things in in school, even though you know our English history generally focuses on, hey, we beat Hitler in World War Two, huzzah, we won World War One as well, mm. instead of being like, oh, we went over there and murdered and raped and colonized loads of places. And then it took them decades and decades of fighting to get their countries back. Mm. And that isn't really talked about. Hmm. Anything to do with slavery isn't really talked about. It's only really about, oh, look how great we did in these really specific small areas that we, you know, barely diverge from. Hmm. And I wondered with, I mean, with I know of Black History Month, uh, but I'm not sure if it's a thing over over here. I know in America it's uh, more of a big thing, but I... What do you guys think of it out of interest of Black History Month? Uh, because I know that certain individuals, I know one of them was, I heard a while ago, Morgan Freeman doesn't like it because he said, why do we only get a month? You know, and that sort of thing. And I don't know. Fuck Morgan. Yeah, well, right. That dude was I know there's certain individuals, like, I know you guys don't like uh, Terry Crews very much. And certain, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's trash too. Exactly. Yeah, so, trash, uh, yeah. it's kind of a couple pronged question there is almost, what is the issue with uh, Morgan Freeman, Terry Crews, and also your opinions on Black History Month? as well as anything else you want to ask me. So. I want to ask you a quick question. And ahead, I think yeah, yeah. Oh, to go ahead and break down the history and start off with how Black History Month became a thing. But my question to you is, do white uh, citizens of the UK, regardless of if they're in, uh, from Manchester to Ireland to wherever they are, do they recognize that Nigerians, Jamaicans, Caribbeans, uh, Indian people, that they, in the most part, exist in this in this country because of slavery? Do they recognize that? Because no. it's not like they just showed up here yesterday. No, there, there is a term, and uh, forgive me, I forget what it is, but I believe it was during one of the wars that uh, several people from, I think it was Jamaica and that sort of area, I think, were brought over to basically fight in the war with slash for us. There's a term for it, and I've, I've completely forgotten the term, um, but it was a term for the generation of when that happened. So but that, I only found that out in the last couple of years once again and a lot of these things i find out i have to look for it is very i mean you mentioned about nigeria getting uh, independence i didn't know we even owned 
uh, Nigeria at any point. Th- this is what I mean. Yeah, There's yeah. so much naivety. Wow. This, yeah. So, you know, it, it's one of those things where <laughs> your podcast for me is, it adds to it, it's so important to me because it's so, the more I find out and the more I learn, it's, it's kind of like... Every tiny bit of information I learn, I realize there's a whole wall of stuff that I've never even been told about, and therefore I've never considered. I thought the British Empire, you know, I thought it was basically Australia, India, maybe a couple of other places. I probably know less about it than you guys do, because we're (laughs) cherry-picked information. Wow. That's the problem. So so are we. Well, let me... me I was going to say, I just want to be clear on that uh, aspect. Hmm. That's one of the key privileges of whiteness, Mm -hmm. the ability to not have to worry about having all of your historical information in order for you to be successful. Mastery of of revisionist history. Yeah. Yeah. A complete mastery of revisionist history. You don't have to have that component in order for you to maintain your privilege or to be successful because your whole being as whiteness is built upon unfortunately, the oppression of other people. So you don't even need to know that information. Uh, and it's That's very true. similar to what's taking That's place true. here in America. Uh, we don't have them opening up the history books talking about slavery. They, they, it couldn't possibly do it. It goes against everything that would be beneficial to them. Why would you teach us how you raped and killed and stole us? That's not good. That's not it's, good business. Just, that's not mean, good business. It's not good business. You need us to <laughs> be mildly passive in some way, docile. But um, black history movie. Uh, Black History Month initially started in 1926 by Carter G. Woodson. Initially, it was called Negro Appreciation Week or something Negro. It was only a week, uh, and it got birthed into a full month. And, of course, over the years, it's taking on many different forms. Uh, At one point in time, it was one of advertisers and companies uh biggest points biggest of the year to get to that market yeah. right about that a lot of huge like, corporations went hard every year nothing yeah. but because we have black entertainment television bet uh so you see a lot of black commercials on that but for black history month that would carry over onto predominantly white networks yep NBC, all McDonald's would have, you know, Calvin running up and down the street. <laughs> if you're black in America, you know who Calvin <laughs> is. Well. <laughs> Calvin right. was a popular person in McDonald's commercials <laughs> that they use a form of respectability politics. But anyway, Black History Month has always been a time where for us as a people, we participate in it, but it's more for others to... Yeah show that they know about the history. That's one of the reasons why for Black History Month in schools is always a popular civil rights person or popular civil rights or popular inventor. So you'll know about, you know, Benjamin Banneker and all the basics, but you won't go deep to have an extensive discussion about Malcolm X. You want to have this extensive conversation about, you know, Ella Baker. Right. Or you have a superficial conversation about MLK. Yeah. 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 So it's almost, it's really been whitewashed intentionally. So now, Mike, what we have is big here now is multicultural people of color. Uh, They push a lot of interracial relationships, a lot of racial ambiguity and you know people who are really really fair-skinned that can switch back and forth is incredibly uh, popular right now popular right now piece of propaganda to try to eliminate and quell 
any sense of racial uprising. So for us, Black History Month is something that I want my kids to participate in because it goes hand in hand with I'm teaching them at the house. But also it gives them a sense of empowerment when they're in white spaces. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I think one of the things, to go to Elle's point, initially Black History Month, or to Phil's point as well, that Black History Month at one point was one of the one of the pinnacle market periods Man. for so many different uh, companies and organizations during the year. February, you were going to get those disposable Black dollars. Bruh. But now it has... Mm through the whitewashing of culture. And we, I, don't, I don't say that in a disparaging way. I just say it as a no, statement no, no. of fact. Fact, sure. That now they've taken that and replaced it. And this is not a disparaging comment, I hope. Nope, now they've right. replaced it with the LGBTQ month, which is, I think, either March or April. Yes. So now you see a lot of corporations that when they used to put their uh, company logo in kente cloth or kente patterns, now you see a rainbow instead. So... Yes. I, my anticipation or my mindset is that you're going to slowly see the, uh, what do you want to call it? I don't want to say whitewashing because that wouldn't be accurate, but the monetization and the opportunism yeah. that comes with the LGBTQ struggle at this point as well. Yeah. Which is a whole nother conversation. Yeah, it's a whole nother, <laughs> yeah, a whole nother a, kettle oh, of fish. Yeah. That, that is another kettle of fish. Yeah, yeah. It, it's one of Terry those- Terry Crews, though. Uh, yes, Terry Crews, go on. <laughs> Go ahead, oh. Somebody else talk about Terry. Nah. <laughs> nah. Terry, Terry Crews for me, and I mean, I, I enjoy the brother's work. I think he, on a superficial level, is a cool guy, but I do not think that he is deep. I do. I think he's about as deep as a thimble, to be very honest with you. And I, I think that way because he, there's a lot of pomp and circumstance and fluff in his conversation. But ultimately, especially after this whole sexual harassment thing, this Me Too thing that he fell into, he be he came across to me as an opportunist, as an opportunist for the moment that still ultimately threw black people under the bus when the time came to be supportive of black people. If your listeners aren't aware, recently there was a there's some hubbub uh, over at uh, America's Got Talent where uh, Gabrielle Union said that she faced racial that she that there, there was an environment, a toxic environment of racial discrimination and insensitivity. Now, she worked there at the same time when Terry Crews worked there. Yeah. Terry Crews basically poo-pooed her whole her whole statement. Was like, uh, well, no, nah, everybody was good to me. That's that's all that really matters. And it it brought up a larger conversation for us as black people, especially black people in the United States. Whereas is it a matter of where your allegiances lie, or is it a matter of common sense? What is what is this com like what is the crux of the conversation supposed to be? And I'll just tell you this. Terry Crews was left wanting, at least in my book anyway. He felt very flat as a black man that was supposed to be, one, supporting a black woman, and two, being able to tell the story and the narrative of what black struggle and what racial insensitivity looks like. Instead of taking that narrative, taking that standpoint, he just basically... <laughs> he cooned and shuffled and danced and did all sorts of stuff yeah. to try and keep his job and to keep yeah. that money. Yeah. So... It's back mm -hmm. to your question about black identity, actually. Yeah. yeah. Morgan yeah. Freeman is a whole different conversation altogether. That's that's uh, yeah. L's boy. So, yeah. yeah, Morgan Freeman is just someone who just denies that racism exists. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, because he's, is it in his mind because he's successful and he's black and therefore and, it couldn't and, be And that else. is one of the issues that when we start talking about colorism here late, later on in the top in the, in the show, you, colorism and classism are two intertwined. That are, yeah so intertwined and something that we as a community have battled and deal with and we see it 
all the time in classism, particularly within our collective here in America, the higher the tax bracket of black folks, yeah, we, we, it's more we, the closer proximity. Of we're white the only people that struggle with success. Yeah, yeah, and we just—it's almost like you have to deny your blackness, and it's—it's it's just a, such a hassle. Racism is such a bitch, man. Yeah, it's such a hassle. Yeah. It's such a hassle. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. Yeah. <laughs> And so we're linking into uh, sort of some aspects of that. I mean, I, I want to bring up, I mentioned Owen when we uh, did a sort of mic test a couple of days ago. And I mentioned about uh, black icons because one thing that was once again apparent to me much, unfortunately, quite recently, as opposed to it should be obviously from a young age, is whenever I, when I was young, you know, uh, <clears throat> looking at the TV, the default in a sense in the white western world in media is white people is more specifically white males so when yeah. you see representation on uh, television and movies a lot of the time it is sort of white people so when sure. i was you know watching whatever mainly star wars it was you know it was always the it wasn't hard to find someone you could have a role model you know it was very easy sure. just to go they sure. for lack of a better way they look like me and that's cool what I found that when I, it was mainly, there's a lot of hubbub about when Star Wars Episode Eight came out, The Last Jedi, there's an Asian actress uh, in that whose name escapes me, but she plays a character called Rose. And essentially, one of the big things a lot of people were saying. Tran. Yeah, so, yeah, sort of that. So it's, um, I, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot, I'm afraid. So okay. it's, um, but she basically, uh, she got a lot of backlash on Twitter because people hated the film and then took it out on her, which is ridiculous. But essentially, Something that people were saying was it's really good to have someone like that in Star Wars, such a main character, um, because it shows representation. And one thing yeah. that I I kind of knew, but I you know hadn't really thought about in all honesty, was that obviously it comes with in the same sort of stroke with people who have disabilities as well. It's very easy as a white man to just find role models in almost anywhere I look. It's very easy. But for so in that regard, I don't have to question my own identity. I don't have the. It, it kind of puts that veil over, to where yeah, it enhances yeah. the naivety because it's like, look, you don't need to think about anything else. Everything's yeah. fine in your world. Don't worry about it. Whereas, yeah. I understand from uh, essentially people who aren't white, there's not that. Even with uh, you know just anyone across the world, the main sort of Western culture is mm. so full of whiteness that it's just there's a lack of it for the younger generation to find people to aspire to so i wonder if you guys i'm sure you have many opinions on this <laughs> go ahead phil oh well i mean in terms of you know representation i mean it's you know it's ironic because uh you know i uh you know i have a i have a you know, my other podcast blurverse kind of devotes a lot of our perspective on the need for diversity in something that we love you know the kind of like the, the kind of big industry um but you know, when it comes to representation in the media, I would say that it's definitely increased. Corporations have kind of taken it upon themselves. I'm not sure how sincerely they are, but they've taken it upon themselves to be to have diverse, uh, diversity initiatives. And uh, certain corporations are making it a point to uh, to put people of all backgrounds in in the, in the forefront and and hopefully more in the background. You know, this uh, you know there could be some give and take with this. Because, um, you know, at the heart of it, we as the people that want the representation, we don't want any handouts over this. You know, yeah. we don't want to be thrown bones either. You know, but we want the, we want the best of us to have the opportunity to get where you are, just like everyone else. Period. Sure. That's all we want. To no, not yeah, be tokens, yeah, not tokens. Because, you know, uh, the token could be a complete idiot and make everyone miserable. 
you know, but mm-hmm. get someone qualified who's dedicated, who can offer an additional perspective outside of your own to expand your business. If you can't, if you care about money, we, we can all care about money too, you know? So mm-hmm. if, if you want to bring it out to that perspective, but you know, that's what you know, representation means for me is that it, it gives a chance to, uh, for the best of us who are working for something better to have the same, to have a truly level playing field. Um, I'm not sure how far along we are, to be honest with you, because uh, there are certain things that seem like they're pandering a bit. Mm. Are you, you, know, you know what I'm talking about, oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, There's a, <laughs> I mean, I, Phil and I have had this conversation a bunch of different times, especially on the Blurred Verse. I mean, diver- I mean, the diversity initiatives, yeah, you want more people involved, but it's, it's, it's because the optics keep your, your stockholders happy. You know, so yeah. I mean, I don't know how yeah. where the, where the sincerity is. Hopefully, we can use this to our advantage, like we should, and 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 uh, and, get, yeah. and get the best of us into all the industries that we belong in. You know, yeah. and I mean, not just black people, but all people. Yeah, yeah, I think it's really interesting because Phil and like I said, Phil and I have had this conversation on multiple occasions, and Phil and I also happen to be, uh, I guess, aspiring writers in some aspect, right? Yeah. So what we attempt to do is like we look back at our childhood and we say, okay, when you were creating a character that you wanted to put in one of your works, what did that character look like? Mm. And it was until we became older maybe like high school age, mm. college age, that we said, we realized, mm. damn, all of these characters I keep coming up with, they don't look nothing like me. Yeah, I just keep defaulting to this blonde haired, blue eyed character to represent me as a person or my vision of what this character is supposed to be I mean, in my works. I mean, that shows you the impact that representation has well, for a long time. And still to this day, Superman is my, my favorite character of all time. Just because it's the story, it's really the story of an immigrant coming to the United States mm-hmm. and becoming the best of himself and having the country understand him and, and love him for who he is in spite of being an immigrant, right? But it took me a long time to recognize that, soup, I won't say a long time to recognize that he was white, but to the, the impactfulness of his whiteness in that my acceptance of him, if you get what I'm saying. There we go. Yeah, so it's it it well, it, to, it pins deep. Yeah, to the point where when you see black superheroes, it feels a little funny at first. Yeah, it catches you off guard. It catches you off guard. It, 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 I know as a kid, and I know every blurred has to admit, they daydreamed. And sure. you may not realize that you may have daydreamed yourself as white. Yeah. Because you're yeah. because the pinnacle of strength and power was in the image of a white man or a white woman, you know. So you would in your you, you weren't you weren't taught in your mind to maybe reformat that person to look like you. you and know? I think for me, man, this this is a the representation conversations one me and O have had, uh, and he's heard me say how much I despise <laughs> this fucking representation stuff. Uh, I understand the importance, but let me let me talk about why I'm not a huge fan of it uh because oftentimes these predominantly white spaces are using black faces and black people as a way to draw black dollars into their perspective environments oftentimes these black folks are not given any power and when i say power i'm talking about decision making specifically to bring other people on to control, you know, the cameras and all these other things. So a lot of the representation initially did not transpire or build into 
actual black people being decision makers and power movers. But we're starting to see more of that here in the past couple of years. But initially, I despised it because I felt like they were always using black folks as a way of drawing dollars into their bank account. Or just meeting, or just meeting their quota. Of which, or just meeting of their quota. Which I, of, so which I, of which I have been a victim twice. Yeah. I was actually, and I was you, actually we, the recipient of a discrimination lawsuit uh, settlement, too. Yeah. Wow. I think the change for me, though, that really gravitated me towards the other side of seeing the importance of it was uh, Black Panther. I was a fan of Black Panther in the comic long before uh, when Reggie Reginald Hudlin was mm-hmm. doing it. I thought it was the greatest thing yeah. ever. Uh, Priest was dope. When I saw them. Yeah, Pri- Priest was okay. I like Priest's. But Christopher Priest, Priest, for people who don't, they don't know, know you, right? We're speaking blurred. <laughs> uh, but when Black Panther came out, that changed my perspective. And it only changed my perspective purely from the standpoint of giving little black kids something to see in the Afrofuturism perspective. Yeah. Uh, it was major for me for my daughter to be able to see Shuri, who she still follows and still thinks is the greatest thing. Uh, that right there, that representation meant a whole lot so it began to change my perspective but i still cringe every now and then when i see you know the the super negro the black negro sidekick in a movie the shit irritates me sometimes so i still struggle (laughs) with it and that's the end of part one thanks as always for tuning in guys Coming next week will be a continuation of the discussion we started to have on Black Panther. Um, I will have episode two start a little bit earlier than this one finished, just so you can hear sort of the end of Elle's point before you hear my waffle, because <laughs> that'll sort of come next. Um, after that, we speak about representation, diversity, stereotyping, and uh, the influence of people in power to the social zeitgeist, you know, to the general social perspe- perception of how the world sort of is and that sort of jazz. Um, the differences in racism in the UK and the US and some of those sort of things, including immigration um and then the future of black america is discussed as well as a few other things bits and pieces so that's what you can expect in next week's chat um i always implore everyone to go check out the guests i have on this show but in the black podcast is one that i especially say people need to go check this out Uh, it's a podcast that really hasn't got enough people uh, tuning into it uh and also it's one of my favorites it's one that if you notice on social media i often share it i play their promo semi-regularly on the show so it's one that i am always trying to push because genuinely is just my favorite podcast so can't big that up enough if you missed last week's episode, um, I spoke with Christopher Gerg. Um, he was a specialist, was, he is a specialist on cybersecurity um, and that sort of thing. Um, it's only an hour long, that chat, but it's a really interesting look into cybersecurity, which sounds like something that's quite boring and may not be something that intrigues everyone. But when you hear him talk about the importance of it, some of the uh, complications with the companies that run ransomware and malware and things, uh, some of the information he brings, you, you would just be so surprised of it. it. It's incredible. So really recommend that for anyone who is or even isn't into tech if you're not into tech it's probably better to listen to that because it can sort of update your sort of stance and views on a lot of the importance of cybersecurity. so check that one out from last week and coming up obviously next week i said part two will be out with the guys from the in black in the black podcast then after that i've got two episodes recorded with frank burton or rather a two-parter i've got two episodes recorded with goff of beer nuts productions um i have got uh, I've kind of half forgotten what the other one I've got recorded is, for being honest. Um, I haven't got another one recorded. That's why I'm forgetting it. Um, I'm recording one on 
next Monday. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be basically my birthday. Um, so I'm recording an episode with my buddy Reese, who any regular listeners will know Reese is one of my best friends. Uh, he comes on the show every now and then. He was actually on the first ever episode of Genuine Chit Chat, where we spoke about if it's ever ethically right to punch a Nazi. Um, and we're going to speak about quite a few cool things. Um, I think meditation is going to be one of them because he's found meditations really helped him in recent years with his anxiety and things like that. So that's going to be a cool one. Don't know when I'll release that. Um, obviously I've got a few in the pipeline so um, I've also got a few ready for recording in April and I'm doing some more guesting on other shows Um, I did guest on the podcast Friends in Your Ears Uh, I believe that that is going to be out in the coming week Um, once that's been released I'll make sure I include details of that in the show notes but um, if you want to preemptively listen to some of my interests of podcasting why I got into it uh, my favorite podcasts all those sort of things um, be sure to subscribe to the friends in your ears podcast and yeah the episode I did with Amanda uh, well Catherine's the host and uh, um, someone called Amanda was the other podcast who was chatted to in that show um, so we both are spoken about in that that's better for me guys I think uh, I'm not doing that much recording in March uh, as in on my own show I'm doing other guest recordings and then this week I should be recording the first episode of my Star Wars comics podcast but I'll get into more details of that once I've actually got like, sort of the trailer sorted out and then all the other things but I just need an evening set aside to do that and next week Megan is going to the sleep clinic to check out some stuff to do sleep apnea so gonna be doing it then so that's gonna be fun um i think that's really it for me guys um as i normally say at the end of these things uh, i really really appreciate anyone listening especially this far to the end um anyone tuning in the show i, I really appreciate it you know i don't spend any money on ads the only people who check out the show is people who've seen my show on social media on twitter instagram or facebook uh or the people who've recommended the shows or I've had collaborations with them. People have come on my shows and spoken about it or I've gone on other people's shows. Uh, so anyone who shares the show or talks to your friends about it or family or just decides after hearing one episode, I'm going to check out the back catalog. I'm going to see some of the other episodes that Mike's done with other guests, see what other stuff is spoken about. I really appreciate that. It means more to me than unless you're a podcast creator than you'd really uh, understand it's just you know this is a passion project of love i just like having conversations with really interesting people and the more people who listen mean that i have better opportunities to speak with people who may have a greater audience and things who may need that initial number push at the start to kind of warrant them coming on the show which i understand a lot of bigger guests are like that so that's really just my goal at the moment just to get bigger and have cooler and cooler guests like i did with today with the in the black podcast so yeah review on itunes share on social media talk about it with your friends look in the back catalog and my communication channels are always open contact me on facebook twitter or instagram uh, my email is in the show notes at genuinechitchatoutlook.com uh, send me an email uh, or on any of the social media channels if you have any questions about anything uh, guests uh, if you are just like dude i like your show i really like this episode with this person do you have any more that I like this because i can't be asked to go back through you know 100 plus uploads to your feed that's fine i will give you information on that so yeah any interaction is always uh really happily welcomed uh but if you guys would rather just listen quietly which i know almost all of you do none of you like to really make a contact that's completely fine i still love the fact that you guys are listening and clearly due to the amount of people returning to the show and subscribing uh clearly a lot of you are enjoying it so that's all i can really ask enough ramble from me guys which i'm sure you'd be happy about because <laughs> by the end of this the quality starts to decline very heavily in my outros so uh, i just appreciate you all and um yeah i'll talk to you next week with part two of in the black podcast